There's only one man that matters in the heart of Betty Sizemore. His name is David Ravel. He's a doctor. I just know that there's something really special out there for me. And a sitcom hero. I'm getting back with my ex-fiancé. I suppose his name is David Ravel. It's Dr. David Ravel. Do you mean George McCarthy? David Ravel. So what'd I say? said find her and it's a job we were paid to do betty is in love with dr right Gabriel Ravel right from the show this woman is on the run i'm looking for a betty sizemore hey i'm the law i ain't gotta do nothing how are you gonna find him i'll go to the hospital he's gentle and considerate he's being sued for sexual assault wow i will shoot that bitch like you scratch my car talk to betty that way what does she represent please tell me Guess who I saw today? Who? Dr. David Ravel. You have a thing for an actor on some stupid white soap opera and we searched all over town for his character. Not the actor, but his character, Betty. Betty would not be here because of a soap opera. Are you having a nervous break? They found her in Vegas. Blonde, thin, whatever. Did they say anything about style? Did they mention Grace? Huh? Huh? Do you always get what you want? Almost never. When you're in love with someone who doesn't exist. You meet this guy who should laugh in your face instead. You meet with him. Do I know you? It's me. Pardon? I missed you, David. What are you doing, George? Why does he keep calling you George? I don't know. Morgan Freeman, Renee Zellweger, Chris Rock, Greg Kinnear, Nurse Betty. You don't look like you do on TV. in your Buick Saber, um, watch an episode of A Reason to Love, and remember, boom, 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 three in the head, you know they're dead. It's time this week on 100 Movies I Love to talk about Nurse Betty, and I'm Jason Martin. And I'm Paul Conlon, and this is 100 Movies That You Love. Yep, 100 Movies I Love. And um, we uh, we start in this, uh, all, we see the uh, opening scene. Um, and all you know is, you know, there's a surgery going on. You see doctors and nurses. They're a little too attractive, maybe, <laughs> and uh, too dramatic. And uh, you don't really know. You know, you just see a lot of beautiful people, basically. And uh, and then it pulls back, um, and you see uh, Nurse Betty, Renee Zellweger, uh, pouring the coffee into Morgan Freeman's cup without even looking. Yep. And... Uh, realize she's addicted to this uh, soap opera yep yeah and um the, yeah the soap opera is called a reason to love and uh you know you it's see interesting that first scene yeah introduces nearly every character yeah except and except uh, four of the main characters except del and he's right. not even mentioned right right um so all, i thought of that too yeah that's, well five of them that's very unusual yeah four because, of them right uh, there uh crispin glover Taylor Vance, yeah. Chris Rock, Morgan yeah. Freeman, Renee Zellweger, they're all there in the diner. Yeah. And yeah. she's the flow through. Yeah, I thought I thought that too. That was unusual. Uh, for basically you, you meet four of the, you know, really the four main characters in the movie, you know, because Dell, you know, doesn't isn't okay. there long, but but eventually uh 
Greg Kinnear becomes a mainish character. Well, I'm, I'm including him because you see him well, on the screen. We, do, it's right. so we, just, we, see we see the four main characters for sure in the yeah. movie, right? Like in the first minute, basically, which is very rare, I think, um, for any movie really to do that. Um, not not any. Introduce but, everyone, set them up quick, and then yeah. run with the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you see uh, Chris Rock and, uh, and Morgan Freeman there um, sitting at the diner. Twist ending for them. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, you didn't see that, did you? They did not hint at that at all. I'm no, not, no, I'm not spoiling right now. We'll probably mention it later on in the right, podcast. Right. But uh, when right. he said what he right. said, and I'm like, right. okay, you know, he's like, right. he's like closer than I thought. And then he said the next part. I'm like, whoa, that changes things. Yeah, and recolors the entire movie. Yes, it for does. A rewatch. It does, and it, uh, it, you know, I mean, I absolutely the first time I saw it, I. I was shocked. I was like, I had no idea. But it explains so much of the way that they, that Chris Rock's character and Morgan Freeman's character dealt with each other. Yeah. yeah. And once you put this new perspective on everything, it's like, oh, I get it. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just bash you over the head with that like 10 minutes, five minutes before the movie's over. And it's a very soap opera twisty thing. It is. I, you know, I never thought about that part yes. of it. Yeah. Um, that's true. Um, and you see, uh, you know, some Chris Rock is eating a burger and she says, I'm sure you wouldn't want a turkey burger. And he says, sure, you wouldn't want a tip. Um, you definitely see Chris Rock being Chris Rock in this yeah. movie. And I get the feeling he probably added some of his own lines because it sounds like. Yeah, I wouldn't think that, uh, I don't know much about the writers, but I was yeah. cognizant at some point in the movie that. This was the through arc for the characters, but I would imagine that uh, Chris Rock may have re rewritten some of his lines. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman as well. And yeah. who knows who else did. Right, right. Um, uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if Allison Janney rewrote some of her lines. Yeah. For her character. Yeah. <clears throat> Which uh, also goes back around to very soap opera. Yeah. You know, the, the actors taking on, this is more of my character. I should be doing this, you know? Right, right. <clears throat> um, so interesting yeah yeah and it's a it's a it's sort of a show within a show type movie but it's not really i mean it is in a different way it's not like some movies where it's about the making of a movie that's but it's it's related to that but in a more original way i think um and uh yeah we i'm sorry to say i will say that in terms of the show within the show as things develop and things become a little more over the top Mm -hmm. Going back to the soap opera theme, which of course is part of the show, it slowly snowballs in multiple different directions, very soap opera-like. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up watching soap operas with my mom. Yeah. She watched the shows on mm -hmm. CBS. So I'm used to this style of storytelling, mm -hmm. both the, the length of the story arc over a period of time yeah. and the outrageousness of some of yeah, the, yeah. the antics of some of the characters and the plot twists and such like that. Oh, yeah. So I could recognize as the movie's going along, what traditional storytelling was some more over the top soap opera type storytelling, and they had a lot, especially at the end mm -hmm. um, when they got to the uh, well, the whole scene in that in the house, the fish yeah. and the guns and everything. Yeah, all of that, just the way it went up and down. Yeah, it's very soap opera. -ish. Oh yeah, yeah, and it uh, this yeah, I mean, I me too. I grew up uh, watching. Uh, I watched. Uh, General Hospital for many years, and uh, Luke and Laura, right? 
Yeah, Luke and Laura, um, who are both still in General Hospital. So is Scotty. Uh, so is, uh, I think, the guy who was supposed to be Australian, who was the cop back then. And there's one more person on there that's... that's uh, uh, actors uh, yeah. like to hold on to their time. Yeah, that. I mean, of course, they haven't been on there the whole time, but they're on there now, yeah. which is crazy. Um, and uh, I used to, uh, or my mom, when I talk about this, was that uh, you could leave a soap for a while and come back and despite all the changes that have been taking place not much has taken place now real nothing's going to be real changes have taken you can pretty much fall right in within a week of everything you might have missed yeah oh yeah and for me uh the idea of binging a show uh first happened in the probably late 80s when i realized i'm going to record every episode of general hospital for the week oh, watch, I watch them all and you know Saturday morning or Five Sunday morning right. or something. Yeah. Closed an hour, right? yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So that was the first ever show I really was even possible. Well, I could have binged. I'm I've had videotaped other shows, but I didn't sit down and watch a bunch of them in a row necessarily. Yeah. And yeah, I do that with that. So, um, and uh, yeah, like I said, we meet uh, Chris McGovern and Pru Pru Taylor Vince. Um, both second appearance for both so far on a countdown. Uh -huh. Um. You know, Chris McGovern, pretty obvious, but his, uh, Vince was uh, Angel Heart. Yes, I remember. Where he also remember played, a, played a cop also. And he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he is. Uh, they're, they're, they're a good little comedy team in here. Um, they're not in it a lot, but they're a good comedy team. In the way but, they but, you know, I think they have nearly every scene together yeah. that they're in. Yeah, yeah. I think there's very few scenes where they're not interacting. Right, I think they're every every scene they are because this and then the investigation, and then when they go out to when to uh, together when the best friend and Crispin Glover's reporter character go to the sheriff. Mm -hmm. um, at first, you think it's just you see those two, and then there's a the sheriff because they're obviously talking to the sheriff. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think they are pretty much in the yeah yeah they make a good little uh, funny like play off each other the way they do it um, and mm -hmm. Crispin Glover. I say it's, but pretty much a normal character. A little quirky because of yeah. the way the movie and the, and the storyline for everyone else is set up. But as far as characters, Christine right. Lefford plays, right. besides George McFly, who we also have in the countdown, right. uh, probably two of the most normal characters he's played that I know of. Yeah, yeah. And he, he but it, you know, at the end, the end scene, he does a little, uh, I can't remember what it is, but he, he starts, it sounds like he makes you think of Back to the Future. says, hey, you get your, you know, something like that. Uh, he didn't quite say, get your damn hands off of her, but it's something like that. It makes you think, uh-oh, uh -oh. he's going to quote his own line there. Um, but in the opening scene, too, we see that's her, that's Betty's birthday party uh, where all the uh, the restaurant diner staff get her a, a cardboard cutout yep. of, uh, of uh, Dr. David, David Ravel. Ravel. Yeah. And uh, the... Um, and uh, right there, um, you find out that her husband is a dick because her co-workers give her money for nursing school. And it's like, they say something derogatory toward him. I can't yeah. remember, but it's like, you know, certain someone wouldn't let you do this or whatever. And uh, yeah, and then you see uh, her husband uh, fucking the secretary <laughs> and uh, his little... Uh, um, his little uh, used car place, Sizemore Motors. Yeah, I noticed that uh, the wall. So you had uh, the girl scratching the wall with the fingernails and yeah. the foot, except the marks 
the length of the mark where the shoes would be and the nails would be indicate that more than one size human being was there making those marks. Oh, okay. I didn't notice yeah. that. That's pretty good. I mean, you could say that, oh, it's just the one person making all these marks, but no. Like where the, the shoe was rubbing against it, there was like the shoes rubbing in this little area, uh, you know, about maybe six inches. But the mark itself where the shoe was rubbing was maybe two feet long. Mm -hmm. So unless they were all over the couch, which was quite possible, yeah. more than likely it was multiple women on the couch of different sizes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's I didn't I definitely didn't pick up on that. Um, his secretary is played by uh, Sheila Kelly, who um, was um, I know her from Singles, the movie Singles. She was in a TV show. I can't recall exactly which yeah. one it was. Uh, one of the one of the law shows, I believe. For oh, okay, but you know, she. I mean, I, I, Singles didn't make my list, but I, I used they used to be one of my favorite movies, and uh, she was in that. And you know, when Be uh, Betty, you know, comes by to get the car, and she's there, and and Betty asked her. You know, we don't know that she used to work at the the cafe but betty said did you ever miss working at the tip top and she said you got to be kidding me but i didn't even I'm, if i noticed this i forgot at the end scene where they everyone at the tip top cafe is watching betty on the soap opera she is working at the tip top again because dell's gone so she lost her job so she had to go back to the tip top cafe uh-huh. I didn't notice that until the last time I watched it. I didn't notice it either. I remember yeah. that the scene, I'm like, that's interesting. They have them all watching things. That's why mm -hmm. they had that nice group shot. Right, right. Put her in it. Right. In the uniform. And the uniform. I didn't notice that, but that's great because, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, Betty, she's on the phone, so Betty actually takes the Buick LeSabre, which Dell told her not to take. And uh, the um, her best friend, uh, whose name is Kathleen Willoit. It's her second appearance on here. And I knew I, I, I've already recognized her, but I didn't realize what I knew her from until I saw her IMDb profile picture. Uh -huh. <clears throat> She's been a lot of stuff. I recognize her as a nice right. character well, actress that is in front of stuff. Angel Heart. She was the secretary or whatever when he goes to, um, or no, she works at the, uh, like the asylum or whatever. When he's like, they weren't too big on ballpoints before the war. And she's like the nurse or whatever that works there. Oh, so it's another crossover. Right. Pro events. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I recognize her face. I didn't, I wouldn't have known her if I hadn't looked it up though. But, and this is a really, you know, you see a lot of cues of why Dell is just an asshole, but you see him, he eats her birthday cupcake. No, he but he only eats half of it. No, he only takes a bite out of it. Right, right. Even though the candle's right there. Right. He puts it down and walks away. Right. The candle's there, and he doesn't eat, but he only takes a bite out of it. And <laughs> there's a lot of cues pretty fast to know that Dell's a sleazy person and pretty shitty. And he puts down, and he's like, you know, the thing about anyone who watches, basically putting down soap operas, and anyone who watches fake lives doesn't have a real life or something like that. And Betty says, well, yeah, something about bowling. And he's like, well, they're trying to get out in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> and Dell says, I'm going to go go out, clean this shit up. So it's just constant barrage of what a terrible person he is. Yeah. And Aaron, and Aaron Eckhart at the time wasn't well known, really. To me, he was just a guy and later on become pretty famous. But this might have been his uh, more noticeable yeah, I think character so. Character roles before. Yeah. Making it bigger. Also, yeah. Other things. Yeah. And um, 
and it's pretty soon you uh Chris Rock and Morgan Freeman's characters come over and uh to talk to to Dell and uh you know you don't know what's going on necessarily but uh, they're coming over to I don't know collect the money or collect the drugs mm-hmm. or something like that and uh and Dell says do you guys you guys like music <laughs> such a great question like you know it's such a generic and he didn't just say do you like music he's like you're like music, like he's starting on a date or something like that. Like right, right. Like right. And he puts his uh, hands up like he's playing the trumpet, and which is pretty funny the way he does it. Um, and uh, he's talking about the, uh, you know, this is just a small town, just a bunch of dumb fucks. <laughs> and uh, and Morgan Freeman's character is just uh, basically giving him shit, just because he he feels like fucking with him. He doesn't like him either, but he just wants to fuck with him. Uh, and uh, he said, can you give us an example? Of stupid people. Right, right. He's like, I, I don't know. Uh, Burger King opens up. And they're, they're in line like it's a five-star restaurant or something. And uh, and then he said, engines are stupid. Well, he said engines are stupid engines. after he got bopped. Right, right. That's the hit in the first time. Yeah, engines, engines uh, are stupid. stupid. Engines? And uh, Morgan Freeman <laughs> rattles off the three local tribes. Like, I don't know. And it's funny when he first said that, I thought he said engines. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, you know, my engines, engines are stupid. Because, no, no, engines are stupid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, engines. Um, and uh, and uh, basically, you know, they're not happy about the fact that he's, you know, whatever, racist against Indians. And, um, and uh, this is the, okay. Now, this was the first time you saw it, right? Yeah, it was right. actually the first time yeah. I saw it. Yeah. So, well, the scalping scene. Didn't see that coming. No. <laughs> no. Didn't see that coming. No. I mean, when they talked about it, I thought he was going to do it the first time, and he just like sliced, right. sliced on his head. I'm like, ah. And that's pretty much where, uh, uh, when we first see that, oh, he didn't really scalp him. That's where Betty kind of looks through the door for the first time yeah. and realizes, oh, my God, there's something really bad going on here. Yeah. And then it just... Escalates really bad, really quick, <laughs> like it would in a soap opera. Yeah, yeah. That movie, that part of the movie, really shocked me. Just like, wow, it came out of nowhere. I mean, it's a, it's so far, it's a goofy comedy, basically, and just, and it's super violent. Yeah, like really fast, way over the top. Wait, over yeah. the top. Yeah, way off the top. Yeah, um, that one really threw me the first time I saw it, and it's still hard to watch. It still makes me cringe when I watch it. Like, ah, oh, you know, I know what's happening, but still. Um, but yeah, the Betty, uh, you know, Betty sees it, but you know, you realize she's in a basically, like, I don't know, like a shock, a catatonic state or something. Like, just basically blocks it out. And she basically refocuses her existence on the soap opera. Yeah. yeah. Not on the actors, but on the characters. Dr. David Ravel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, David Ravel, right before that, his character says, I just know there's, there's something really special out there for me. And, um, and, uh, so, you know, they scalp him and then, uh, yeah, Morgan Freeman, you know, kills him, you yeah. know, and, uh, Chris Rocks says, uh, something like, I want, you know, I thought you want me to scalp him, you know, and why'd you tell the fucking Indian story? And Morgan Freeman says, the hell does that mean? If I told you a Ty Cobb story, a baseball story, would you take him, take a baseball bat and beat the hell, beat him to death with it? Ty Cobb story. I messed that one up, but uh, and 
a little bit after that, Morgan Freeman gives Chris Rock a little professional uh, advice. Uh, in this business, you don't put food on the table unless the phone rings. People who get the calls are good, not flashy, good. They get in, they get out. Nobody knows a goddamn thing. You understand? Boom, boom, boom. Three in the head, you know they're dead. And that's, that was definitely in the trailer, that that boom, boom, boom line. That was a catchy, you know, catchy uh, boom, boom, boom. three in the head, you know they're dead. That's the line you're definitely going to remember from this movie for sure. Um, and uh, Chris Rock says that's a good motto. And, and Morgan Freeman says, well, I'll get you a bumper sticker. So it's just a lot of really dark, really dark uh, humor in this movie for sure. Um, and uh, right after that, you see Chris Rock posing as an insurance agent, going to talk to Betty's best friend, knocking on the door, you know, hey, she's got uh, money coming from Dell's inheritance, uh, trying to find out where she is. Um, and uh, Morgan Freeman gets the pictures from the waitress. And uh, not long after that, you have the, um, where you see her in the bar in Arizona. And uh, she's talking uh, to the woman that works there. And uh, the woman that works there is talking about, uh, you know, one time I went to Europe. And she said, the Europe? The Europe. And, uh, you know, we have in that scene right there, Bechtel test. Yeah, well, we had the prior to that because uh, Betty talks with uh, the, the other females at the diner. Yeah. Um, right. Not really named, though. Yeah, but her friend is. Yes, and they talk. Yes, and they talk about Betty. Mm-hmm. And they they mention mm-hmm. Dell, but they really talk about Betty. Yeah. Um, and then here we have Ellen and um, Ellen, the bartender character, and Betty talking, and they're talking about things that are not guy related. Mm-hmm. So they get around to why right. she's going to find her her uh, estranged uh, former fiance David back to David Ravel. Yeah, yeah, and that's when Ellen realizes that Betty's got a screw face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, you know this. Most episodes we've talked about the Bechdel test, and most of my movies completely fail. This one, I think, hits it. It's great. Right, it does. Rosa, we got Ellen. Right. We got uh, what's Catherine Walt's character? Uh, I forget. Um, but um, yeah, we're actually passing the Bechdel test for once, Man. easily. Which I figured, you know. There being a, the main character being a woman, we'd have a decent chance in this movie. Yeah. Uh, finally. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, she imagines she's talking to the uh, woman at the bar um, um, about uh, she's imagining uh, Greg Kinnear's character proposing to her at the Grand Canyon. And, uh, and uh, a little bit after that, we see, um, well, yeah, she realizes Betty is out of it. Um, and uh, Chris Rockmore and Freeman uh, go to see Betty's uh, um, grandparents, mm-hmm. and um, the the guy, the grandfather says, "You got to be missing a piece of your soul to kill someone." And Chris Rock just can't shut up about it. You know why you say you got to be missing a piece of your soul? Um, you know Chris Rock's character has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely not very professional. Um, he's, he can't keep his emotions in check. Um, and uh, I think there's two things in this movie that really send him over the edge. One is people bad talking his profession. Mm-hmm. And the next is people bad talking Jasmine. 
Yeah, Jasmine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. He's in love with the uh, the uh, the Asian nurse in the in the show, um, and he gets pissed off when someone says she's a lesbian. <laughs> um, well, the character, right, right, all right. He he knew he realizes the character at least, um, and um, uh, he talks to a uh, or she talks to a woman wanting a job. Um, she mentioned Loma Vista. Try, well, trying to find David, David Ravel. Mm-hmm. And the woman's like, Loma Vista, Loma Vista. I don't, uh, I don't know what that is. Um, and uh, on the way out, I uh, had the, the gunshot victim there in the ambulance and the guy, the guy shooting, you know, shooting the cops and she walks through it. That's the whole little thing developed out of nowhere. Once again, right. over the top, mm-hmm. super violence, almost dreamlike. Right sequence. Mm-hmm. So far. Yeah, yeah. And then she's a uh, she's there like in the back of an ambulance. Like he's got a he's he's got a thingy. He's got a thingy. I got to relieve the pressure. Right. All she knows is put a tube and let the blood out. And but you know she gets blood all over. She's got a thingy. I've seen it. She said I've seen this one done once. You know she even says that uh, Rose is there. You know who becomes a roommate. Yes. Um, because her mom is uh, you know saying you should uh, you know. Let her be your roommate. Um, you know, uh, come back to one thing you mentioned about uh, Chris Rock's character mm-hmm. and Jasmine. He never refers to her as the actress. Right. Just, just the character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he also was kind of stuck yeah. in with the fictional character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, he just says Jasmine. And uh, there's also one thing going back a little bit when they were at the bar. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Betty's talking to Ellen, mm-hmm. and she's remembering the proposal mm-hmm. with Dr. David Ravel, and they go to a little bit of a waking dream sequence mm-hmm. where she's at some cliff-type area. I can't yeah. mention what it was, and there's Dr. Yeah. David. It's Grand Canyon. Boom. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that, that explains why later on there's a similar scene right. with Morgan Freeman right, right. and Betty. Yeah, yeah. A weird little dream sequence out of nowhere. Yeah. Which yeah. again comes right back around to soap opera storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, the uh, yeah, you see, um, I know Morgan Freeman uh, says a little thing about bitching about the way the world, the way the world is today. He says something, something, do an end zone down, shake your ass. That's why everything's fucked up. Something like that. Um, and uh, uh, Rosa talks to her boss and mentions Loma Vista. And what's, you know, her boss knows it. She doesn't know it, but what's his name? David Ravel. And she's saying in, in Spanish. Um, and uh, that's where she finds out that he's in love, she's in love with a uh, soap opera character. <clears throat> of course, she thinks she's fucking with her and she really believes it's true. So, um, and, uh, yeah, Morgan Freeman mentioned this is his final job. Um, I'm supposed to be retired. This is my final job. I've got to finish it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Rose's boss gets them uh, tickets to some kind of, uh, I don't know, charity fundraiser thing. And uh, so Betty can actually go meet Dr. David Ravel. So so Rosa can pop her bubble. Right, so right. Says, so you want to pop her bubble? Here's a pin. Here's, here's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good line. Though. So she meets, uh, she goes there. And meets David Ravel and actually recites the lines 
And Allison <clears throat> Janney being the, the, the boss of the show was like, I wrote those like seven years ago. That's impressive. Um, um, and I like, I love when they're walking out and the rival doctor, the guy, she, she just Lonnie. slaps him. She just slaps well, him. He says, who's the skirt? Who's the skirt? Him, so I slaps him. Yeah. Which is a fairly good response for being called a skirt. Right, right, right. <clears throat> and it looks, it's like a thing you do on a soap opera too, but yeah, she really hates the guy. Um, um, you see, uh, Freeman and Rock at the uh, bar in Arizona. He says, we're federal marshals, ma'am. And she's just like, no, you're not. I was married to cop for nine years. You're not cops. Yeah. yeah. Too late down. Yeah. And uh, a little bit after that, you see uh, Chris Rock at the security gate. And uh, he's asking about Jasmine. And uh, he bribes the guy, you know, to get in. I think just $5. Was it? Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I was trying to take a look at it. I can't remember, actually. It was like 5 or 20 cents. Really small. Yeah, that's been a lot. Yeah. Like, that was really funny. Oh, okay. Um, now, Chris Rock comes back, and uh, he's talking to Morgan Freeman in the hotel. He said, I went to the uh, the Hollywood uh, you know, Walk of Fame. He's like, and he mentions a bunch of big names, like, I don't know, like John Wayne, Gregory Peck, um, and uh, Clark like, Gable. He's he like, was looking for people, Bryson. Right. He's like, no people, Bryson. Um, I mentioned that especially. It's funny because, you know, people Bryson had a few minor R&B hits. You know. Was it a big it was a, actor? He, 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 did a, he did one of the big Disney songs with somebody. But, you know, it's ridiculous to think his, his name would be there. The reason I bring it up is I actually met people Bryson several times. Uh-huh. Yeah, he used to be um, a customer. I used to work at... Uh, for a quick trip, uh, convenience stores in Atlanta, and uh, it's one in Buckhead on on Sydney Marcus uh, one. Boulevard. Yeah, one and of my favorite quick trips. Yeah, and his daughter uh, lived across the street in one of his apartments. Uh huh. So he'd come in in the middle of the night, and uh, when I saw him, it was in the middle of the night at least, and he'd get the the fat free Fig Newtons, and uh, and uh, which are horrible, by the way. Yeah, I always have to wear. Right, and uh, and a pack of I thought it was a pack of Cools or a pack of Newports. That's what you get. I see him at like three in the morning, and uh, so that was an interesting little uh, thing there. Um, and uh, basically, uh, and Chris Rock's giving Morgan Freeman the shit about uh, Betty about keeping looking at her pictures, and uh, he says something. You let this cunt, and they and he slaps him or something like that. And uh, we'll be <coughs> right back after this. I want you to know what is that before I'm Yeah, because of course. Do I know you? Of course. <laughs> Don't you remember? <laughs> I, I take it I should. Silly. It's me. We were engaged. You were engaged. <laughs> I, I beg your pardon? Letting you go. That was the biggest mistake of my life. And it's a mistake I've had to live with for six years, but I've put it behind me now. And I just hope that you can put it behind you, too. I've missed you. Okay, we're back here on the podcast talking about Nurse Betty. And um, this movie um, had a uh, $35 million budget, which is uh, pretty high compared to the most, most of the movies we've done. Um, yeah, it is pretty high. Yeah, it's a little surprising. I mean, you do have some big stars at the time, fairly big stars. So I mean, that's probably a lot of it. Um, 
the box office was $28 million. So this movie definitely uh, lost money, for sure. That's the worldwide box office, not adjusted for inflation. $28 wow. million. So it lost $7 million. Explains why I did not see it. Right. <clears throat> And had I known more about it at the time, I would have. I like all these characters. These actors. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, all the main characters, I, I like everybody. Yeah. And I'm surprised I had not seen it. I yeah. was aware of it. I confused it with some of the movies. I think we mentioned this before. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Any movie with any Betty in it confuses to me. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but the adjusted box office for this movie is $42 million. So this is uh, definitely the movie so far on the whole podcast that's lost the most money as far as a percentage and it's pretty low for adjusted box office too um uh, roger ebert uh, had to say about this movie um a sweet little comedy that breaks a number of sweet little comedy rules and it's hard to categorize this movie which i would agree it's definitely a comedy but it's extremely dark in places um the uh rotten tomatoes uh on this is 83 right it's pretty good yeah it's pretty good um that's i guess that's what i would expect probably for this movie the audience score though is 45 on this movie the audience tomato score is 45. i'm guessing that scalping scene alone turned people off they said "Fuck this movie (laughs) we know um it could also be that i'll say that the majority of the characters mm-hmm. are not really likable. No. Not really likable. <clears throat> no. Um Betty is likable, although she's insane and crazy. You have to wonder right. what's gonna happen to right. her. Um but most everyone she meets, except for you could say her support, mm-hmm. are not likable at all. No. And in fact if they're not likable, they're not supporting her. And yeah. Pretty much I don't know, definition of good versus bad characters yeah. in the movie is she needs a new character. Do they support Betty? They're good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good people support her and the bad people don't support her. And if they don't support her, they're bad people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a big disparity though, between the two, um, for sure. Um, there's, a, um, awards for this movie, uh, Golden Globe win for Zellweger, um, for best actress. Um, and at, at con, at the con film festival, it won for best screenplay ah. at con. So, <clears throat> Um, and American Comedy Awards, which I know was on for, I don't know how many years though, uh, award for Zellweger for Best Actors. Um, and, uh, Paul, I already know when you first saw this movie. Uh, This past week. Yeah. Um, I think I saw this on HBO the first time, probably. Um, I was definitely aware of this movie when it was in theaters. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I remember the trailer because that Morgan Freeman line boom 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 three in the head you know they're dead i definitely remember that i think i'll probably watch on hbo but i loved it the first time i saw it for sure um the tagline for this movie is pretty good uh it's she's chasing a dream they're chasing her it's a pretty good tagline not trying to be extremely clever but it's you know good um and uh the release date of this movie september 8th 2000 and uh these are the uh Movies that were in theaters at the time. Um, Almost Famous, Best in Show, The Cell, The Replacements, Coyote Ugly, Space Cowboys. Wow. That's a pretty diverse 
group of movies right there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> actually, I, I've seen all those movies, actually. I believe I've seen all of them as well. I finally watched The Cell about a year ago. It's pretty good, actually. It's it very dark. J-Lo and D'Onofrio. A lot different uh, uh, sci-fi movie than you thought. Yeah, yeah. Replacements <clears throat> was a big uh, the football movie with Keanu Reeves. That was, you know, that's, that's pretty kind of big like hit. perennial. If it's on TV, anyone will say in the movie sitting at the end, I'll probably sit down and watch it for a while. Yeah. One of those. I don't have to watch the whole movie to enjoy parts of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love Best in Show. It's great. Uh, it's the best of the of the Christopher Guest uh, mockumentaries, I think. Uh, almost Famous. And back to Best in Show, they were doing that super dry humor way before The Office hit TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were already out there doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Almost Famous is very, very well-respected yes. movie. Um, I didn't look it up. It probably was nominated for Best Picture that year. Um, I don't think it won, but it was probably nominated Almost Famous is a really good movie. Um, and uh, they have the, the director of this movie, uh, Neil Labut. Um, some of his movies he's directed, uh, Wicker Man, uh, Nicolas Cage one. Uh, the second one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lakeview Terrace. I remember Sam Jackson was in it. I don't remember much about it. Um, maybe Ray Liotta. I can't remember. Um, he remembered, he uh, directed Death at a Funeral, uh, the American version, um, not the British version. And he actually also directed uh, Hell on Wheels, five episodes of that. Oh, really? I don't know if you, you remember that AMC show? Yeah, uh, that was the, the old West. Dead yeah, Dead Railroads. Dead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm thinking Deadwood. Deadwood. Right, Deadwood. right. Um, I have heard about that. It was no. good. I watched it all. It was about four seasons on AMC. It was a solid show. About the 1870 or so, and based yeah. on the real characters. Was that on uh, the same time as Breaking Bad and uh, Walking Dead, or was it over before they started? Uh, it, was, uh, it was probably uh, 2000. 11 to 2014, something like that. Four seasons, probably. Huh. Three seasons on AMC. Quality show. Um, definitely recommend it. Um, and uh, we were just talking about the IMDb parents got in this movie. Um, yeah, a man is scalped. So. Yes. A man is scalped. That's, there's also 56 fucks in the movie, but uh, yeah. I think a man is scalped uh, take precedence uh, on, on a lot of this stuff here. Um, There's a, quite a bit of blood and gore for a comedy. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the scene outside the hospital. Yeah. Where Betty becomes a nurse for real, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, the scalping scene. Uh, the uh, the apartment scene, not quite at the end. I actually thought it was pretty close to the end. And then so much more came after that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, uh, very violent. Violent comedy, for sure. Um, and... Um, you know, some of the, I mean, it's a pretty good, uh, the, say, top five cast in this movie. It's a pretty strong, strong cast. Um, like I mentioned before, Eckhart went on to do a lot of bigger and better things. Um, and probably known to a generation of people as Harvey Dent. Yeah. Two-Face. Right, right. The Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Kinnear uh, has done, I don't know, done a bunch of movies now. From, uh, what was that show, Talk Soup? Yeah. On down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris Rock. I mean, Chris Rock is. Unless you've been under a rock. Right. You know who Chris Rock is. Right. And is, I, mean, I mean. Yeah. I mean, Chris Rock is. Uh, you from know, Saturday Night Live to uh, stand up to all the movies he's made. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, not necessarily. You know, it doesn't seem like he usually picks good movies, but he's. He's. I think he tends to more, pick more interesting parts. He's than he, great movies. He's a great comedian, not necessarily a great comedic actor. Uh, <laughs> a few of his uh, starring vehicles, I haven't quite yeah. done. I 
I think there's something better out there for him. Yeah. But the comedies, he seems, he was big, I don't know, one of the middle comedies. Yeah. And then tries to stick himself into him. It doesn't quite fit. Yeah. I think yeah. he needs to pick something dark and like, like this movie that he can run mm -hmm. whichever way he wants and the movie will still follow him. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, Morgan Freeman, we all know him from The Electric Company <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, he's been in a few things. He's got one of those voices too. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's the narrator pretty much now. Um, and uh, who knows how many movies he's been in? 100, 150 probably or something like that at least. And uh, didn't even get started until a little bit later in life too. So, um, you know, Driving Miss Daisy was the the movie that really broke him out for sure. And after that, he was kind of everywhere. Um, and um, of course, Ray, Renee Zellweger. Um, is the star uh in the movie and uh you know this was four years after jerry Maguire or three years maybe but uh it's definitely um you know this movie i'm sure was a big disappointment considering she was in it at the time because she was a pretty big deal um and this is uh this is uh this is brings us to a new feature on the podcast um ah. new feature is uh what just missed the list and and it's usually going to be a movie that's related in some way to the current movie or some kind of connection. In any case, this movie that just missed the list was Me, Myself, and Irene, starring Renee Zilliger and Jim Carrey. Was that a uh, Farrelly Brothers movie? Yeah, Farrelly Brothers movie. Um, I remember that when it came out. Uh, I think I did yeah. see it in the theater when it came out. Yeah. It was Jim Carrey, it was Farrelly Brothers. Right. I don't remember being really liking it at the end. I remember there were a lot of funny parts and yeah. interesting concepts. But right. Some of it was just fell incredibly flat. Oh, yeah? yeah. A lot of it was like, uh, way missed the mark. Not yeah. way missed the mark, but yeah, way missed the mark. Yeah. Not just missed the mark, but like, way off. Well, like, yeah. Like, I was expecting, with the Frilly Brothers, you don't expect everything to be in a straight line. You don't expect right. all the humor to come. You'd be seeing it coming down the road. You expect to be Something to come around the corner and slap you upside the face and be funny. Yeah. That movie was, it had some of that, but it had some stuff came around the corner and just kind of fall in front of you and you have to step over it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, for me, I love it. I mean, not enough to make the list, but I definitely love it. It's uh, really made me, and the reason it made me think of it this time was uh, because of Dizelberger being in it, but uh, Irene was released three months before this movie. Uh -huh. So I think, you know, the people that love that movie might have wanted to see Nurse Betty, and then Nurse Betty is not is a less typical comedy. Yes, they may have been disappointed from I don't know the darkness of the movie. Maybe they may. Uh, you know, uh, some of the over the top stuff in here kind of also remind me of the Ferrelli Brothers, mm -hmm. um, or even Zucker, or even Zucker, you mm -hmm. know, um, from Airplane. Yeah, and uh, that kind of uh, slapstick, satirical, way over the top comedy it, it works this movie mm -hmm. um, they don't use it as too much of a driving force they just kind of come out of nowhere sometimes and sometimes mm -hmm. it's not funny over the top it's gory over the top yeah um, scalping scenes shooting mm -hmm. scene the hospital um, but then you know basically jolt in your seat and go on with the movie yeah yeah um, but yeah that's something we're gonna be talking about every week gonna uh, be what just missed the list? What just missed the list? We'll talk a little bit about some movie that I like a lot, but not quite enough to make the list. And um, so we can continue on here with the uh, the storyline. Uh, 
we have uh, you have Betty on the on the set, and uh, they decide they're gonna let her have a few lines, see how she does, and they get her there, and she's seeing basically the the movie set and the TV set, which is things are half built. She sees the characters and, that she thinks are real, and they're they have scripts in front of them, and they're reading from them. Right, right. And she's like completely confused. And why yeah. are they calling him George? Yeah. Why are they calling Doctor David Orville George? Who does that? Yeah. Who does that? And that's a that's that's a that's a tough scene, you know. Just like feeling bad for her. Just wow. <laughs> um, a little bit, but as as it develops, I I knew where it was going. The, yeah. the 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 pressure on her was building up, and everyone was coming down there. Everyone was kind of talking to the background. Oh my God, it's falling apart. It's not working. And she's absorbing all this, and it's building up for her catharsis. Mm-hmm to come out of her fugue state. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it does it with her just kind of sitting there looking very confused and hurt and just she just comes back into her normal self. Mm-hmm. And you realize it was when she calls him by his real name. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you knew that had to happen at some point. You know, she had to. But, yeah, that was a, you know, and he's yelling at her. Um, you know, I gave you this chance and all this stuff. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was uh, yeah, that was a good little scene to – you know, basically get the story going there where she knows things, realizes things, how they actually happen. Um, you know, we really didn't talk about how we got to this point in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that would have to be the apartment scene, which I mentioned before, and the big twist, which I mentioned beginning of the podcast. Well, that's after this. No, no, no. That's before this because, no, you're correct. It is after yeah, this yeah. because she knows. Right, right. She knows now. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm getting confused. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I've seen it many times. So. Yes, you yeah. were. You were the experts. <laughs> um, and uh, you see um, Chris Rock and Morgan Freeman uh, visit the little studio and talking to Greg Kinnear's character. And, um, you know, they're trying to find Betty or whatever. And uh, Greg Kinnear's character is just being kind of like dickish, whatever. And... Uh, and he wants, you know, he Chris Rock wants to meet Jasmine. Just yes. asked her to come out for a autograph. autograph. And, and not like, not the actress, right? Again, but Jasmine, the character, right, right. And uh, so they're trying to they're they're taking uh, Chris Rock out of there. Like I think a security guard or maybe Morgan Freeman is, but he's I mean, like, Morgan grabs him before. But this is this is the line that I think that Chris Rock just thought of or improvises. I saw you in that TV movie. Hasselhoff blew you off the screen. And uh, that that feels like something he thought of um, to put in there. That was a pretty funny thing. Uh, they see him. They look in the back of the Buick, um, and the cardboard cutout pops out of the yes. trunk. That was a good little weird moment. Um, and he punches it. Uh, Chris Rock finds all the drugs in the trunk where they're supposed to be. You know, you realize that Betty. You know, we already know, but he knows now that Betty never knew they were there. Um, nobody knew they were there. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman talks about uh, following his instincts. Is like, no, follow my instincts. You don't. Not your instincts. When Chris Rock popped the trunk mm-hmm. and the cardboard cutout of Dr. David Ravel pops out yeah. from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And he bats around, kicks it, jumps on, pounds yeah. on because he just had a little fight with him at Man. the studio. He looks in the trunk and those drugs are wide open. So when Betty put that in mm-hmm. the trunk, those drugs were available to be seen and wide open. Mm-hmm. But she didn't see them because she was in whatever state she was in. Yeah. Or something else. Actually, uh, if she put that in the trunk 
before getting home? No, she didn't because when she pulled up into her house, David Ravel was in the back seat. Remember, she turned the corner and there he was in the back seat. Yeah. She went through the garage. So at some point after Dell got killed, she moved that to the to the trunk. And at that point, she didn't notice the tracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I noticed this is uh, uh, Rock and Freeman uh, go up to knock on Betty's door. And uh, I noticed, uh, yeah, because Morgan Freeman says he's a police or he says detective or whatever. But I realized his badge says just says detective protect and serve doesn't have what city or state he's in doesn't have a badge number it just says detective protect serve yeah i noticed that <laughs> so she, is that the uh is this a badge from dragnet yeah i know it looks no, no, it's it, looks, it, it looks comically generic like um um and uh but they're inside and uh and then when they tie up everyone uh i noticed uh um, Pro Taylor Vince, um, Chris Rock drops a wrestling move on him. He jumps up in the air with his elbow and lands on him. <laughs> it's just a silly little thing. Um, and, uh, and still, uh, Vince and uh, Glover are, are jabbing at each other, you know, because uh, Glover knew about the soap opera and he told Vince, and Vince acted like he knew the whole time and it was his idea. Um, and uh, Vince says, Don't take the tape off, you're going to regret it. I'm going to take the masking tape off of uh, Clover's valve. That's, that's some great little lines between them, just putting each other down. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman uh, tells, you know, is in there with Betty in her bedroom, and he says, I'm a garbage man in the human condition. I deal with trash, people who trade any part of themselves for a few more minutes of their rotten lives. And uh, that's a nice little line. Um, and you hear... Uh, you hear uh, Chris Rock gets shot there, and you hear him say, Daddy! And that's why you're like, holy shit. I didn't understand that until right. Morgan looks out and sees him and goes, Wesley, my boy. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I still didn't get it. Yeah. Until he goes, they killed my son. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. Didn't see that coming. No. That was the big spoiler, folks. No. Uh, Wesley, Chris Rock's character, and Morgan Freeman's character are father and son. Yeah. Yeah, that was completely hidden. There's completely. no reason to think that they were father and son no. at all. But once you find that out, you go back to their banter and the way they they stick with each other regardless of how far off the rails one goes one way or another. Um, you know, for example, the uh, the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. Chris Rock's driving past the entrance to the Grand Canyon or the turn off the Grand Canyon. Morgan's like, well, we should go there. We should, we should go yeah. watch the Grand Canyon. You never get a chance to see that. And I'm like, uh, he's right, but at the time, it was a little odd conversation for two hitmen right, driving right. across the country. Right, right. Now it makes sense. It's father and son. You know, hey, son, let's go look at the Grand Canyon. You should see that. It's awesome. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, dad trying to be dad, getting the son to see parts of the world yeah. he's never seen before, mm -hmm. um, which, of course, leads to a nighttime weird sequence with Nurse Betty there. Yeah, him dancing. Yes. Dancing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. And kissing her. Yeah. And again, we have a character who is falling in love with his idea of what someone else is. Yeah. Uh, which happens a lot. Yeah. In this movie. No, oh, yeah, it does. It does. Um, and, uh, you know, you see the whole scene and uh, they, uh, you do hear the, uh, Morgan Freeman walks out of the room and you hear the gunshot and, 
were to assume that Morgan Freeman was shot and killed, but we don't know for sure. Uh, actually, I don't think he walked out of the room mm-hmm. into the main part. Yeah. I thought he walked into a side room of some sort. I thought he wanted oh. to kill himself. As opposed Maybe. To yeah, that, that too. We don't know. I don't think he went to a shootout. You would have heard other guns going. It seemed more like to me. There was he, one shot. There was one shot. He went off into the bathroom, something like that, and killed himself. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, not that he went back out to the main hallway yeah. or out to find the cops. That's true, because there was only one shot. Yeah. And, I, but they don't never say it, but yeah, that's. It was one of those off screen. Right. You have to see this kind of thing. It, it made me think of, because I was turning it up, turning the volume up, because I've seen it many times, but I was like, Maybe I'm going to hear exactly what happened if I turn it up because I mean, what we need to think of was uh, Reservoir Dogs is you've got to turn it up because Steve Buscemi walks out and there's a shootout and you can't hear it if it's like normal volume. And, and I, I wasn't able to hear anything extra here, but that's kind of what it made me think of was I need to turn it up. But yeah, you're right. There was just one shot. So that, that makes sense. Um, um, later on, you see uh, they're back in the Tip Top Diner and uh, Greg Kinnear and Renee and Betty are talking to each other. George and Betty this time. George, right. Yes. And uh, the uh, waitress comes up and puts a piece of paper down. He's like, I don't really like the idea of autographs. And she points out, it's like, it's the, it's the, the check. Way. It's the check. Yeah. <laughs> and once you see her, that's where I realized where they were. Because I'm right. not exactly right. sure until right. oh, they're at the tip top. They're yeah. in Kansas. Right. It's surprising to see him there. Yes. yes. Um, also, my, was it blue? Hmm? My, my, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, it's really blue. It's very, everything's very blue. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was the way they did the scene or if there was something with my copy of the movie, what I was looking at. Everything looked very blue right there. Uh, maybe. Yeah, one short little sequence there in the diner. Yeah. Um, very blue. Everything's very blue. Okay. I don't know. It could be. I didn't, I didn't notice that, though. Um, and uh, uh, Betty says, uh, my best friend once said that if you're any handsomer, it'll be a crime. And he says, thank you. And she's like, it's just too bad you're an asshole. <laughs> and, uh, Which they then transition to the two of them as Nurse Betty and Dr. David Rivero. Yeah. Doing the same scene in the diner. Yeah, yeah. And then we cut to uh, the last scene in the movie. Um, you're at a cafe in Italy, and uh, Betty is having a cappuccino or something. And uh, and that same scene, the waiter the version of it is playing on right on the TV with Italian dub, right. And just like in the beginning of the movie, the right. waiter is he drops the check without even looking on the table. And uh, I thought he was going to pour coffee. I thought she had her coffee right. cup up. I thought he was going to pour coffee. That's a great little turnaround. Yeah. Uh, instead, he drops his check and ignores her. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's the last scene of the movie. So they do have a little uh, little little written blurb. You know, uh, so she was she on did 60, how many, 63 episodes. Yeah, yeah. And then used the money to go to nursing school, I think it was, or veterinary mm-hmm. school, and take a trip to Europe. The Europe. The Europe. Yeah, yeah. The Europe. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's how the movie ends up. And uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Okay, we're back here on the podcast talking about Nurse Betty. And I'm going to play one of the trivia games we normally play here. Uh, the first one is I'm going to be asking Paul <coughs> questions, and this game's called Characters Welcome. I'm going to take an actor from this movie, and I'm going to pick a different movie they're in. It's going to be a well-known movie that Paul's aware of, but not, he's not going to know the answer, of course. 
And I'm going to name characters from that movie, not actors, characters starting near the bottom. He's going to try to guess that movie. I'm trying to guess a movie. Right. Okay. <clears throat> and um, There are a lot of good actors in this that have been a lot of movies. This might be tough for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, and uh, uh, first character is a uh, New Year's Eve band guy. New Year's Eve band guy. Okay, so it always takes place at New Year's Eve. That part of the movie does somewhere, somehow. So, hmm. New Year's Eve band guy. Uh, no, don't really. Uh-huh. Ring a bell. Okay. Uh, recovering addict. Recovering addict. Hmm. New Year's Eve recovering addict. As good as it gets? No. No. Uh, basketball player. Basketball player. Train wreck? No. Um, judge. Judge. All right. Let's see. Uh, uh-huh. <clears throat> it was probably not Cold Mountain. Um, da, 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 da. I don't know. Um, Uniqua. Uh, that that should include in me if I knew what movie this was. Uniqua. Uh, um, okay, so who could it be? Oh, hold on. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. No. Okay. Uh, Nick Peretti. Nick Peretti. Oh, that name sounds familiar. I should probably know this movie by now. Uniqua Nick Peretti. No. Um, Pookie. 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 Wait a minute. You see Pookie? Mm-hmm. New Jack City? Yep. Chris Rock. Right. Nick Peretti was uh, Judd Nelson's character. Okay. And uh, remember what uh, Wesley Snipes' character was? Uh, wasn't unique what? Uh, no, who was he? Nino Brown. Who? Nino Brown. Nino Brown. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. New Jack City. Okay. Chris Rock playing the crackhead. He was, did a great job. <laughs> it wouldn't until you said Pookie that I, my mind was so far into the yeah. direction. Yeah, I was trying to give it away with a basketball player and it, 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 that's so generic. Well, yeah, yeah, but um, Uniqua, but, I knew I should. It, it rang a bell. I remember, I remember sitting in the theater. Yeah, I don't know what movie I was at. Rooting for Judge, rooting for Judge Nelson. No, it's the previews. Right, right. I was running up. I think I might have told this before. Mm -hmm. And there comes the preview for New Jack City, and there's all these actors. And then at the very end, it goes, and Judd Nelson, and the entire theater goes, "What? Yeah." (laughs) Yeah. Because the whole theme of the thing was New Jack City, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, hip hop, and all of a sudden, well, 
just prior to hip hop and all that stuff. Yeah. New Jack Swing, all that stuff. Yeah. Drug culture, urban drug culture, all this stuff. And then suddenly, and Judd Nelson and everyone in the theater were like, what? Yeah. No one saw that coming. That was like a right. big plot twist. Right. Yep. Um, so what, uh, Paul, what, what do you have for me? Uh, we're going to go back to my character study. All right. Game here. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to pick an actor from our movie, mm-hmm. Betty. Actor or actress. There are plenty of good actresses in the movie. And I'm going to start naming characters in some of the movies that this actor or actress has been in. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, with all, from all the uh, male names, you may guess it might be a male actor. But mm-hmm. don't be fooled. Okay. I'm actually going to start in the 2000 era of when Nurse Betty came out and mm-hmm. move in one direction or the other. I'm all not right. going to tell you which direction I'm moving. Okay. I'm just going to name characters that this actor from Nurse Betty played. Mm-hmm. And you're not supposed to guess who the actor is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, from the movie Loser, Professor Edward Alcott. Uh, movie Loser, uh, Greg Kinnear? Oh, right off the bat. Well, I haven't seen Loser, but I remember Jason Biggs is in it. I have no idea who's in it. Well, he's in it, and I'm like, there's no way Morgan Freeman was playing a professor in that movie. Chris Rock's not a professor type. Um, so, yeah. Uh... Next up was the gift. Someone like you didn't with friends. We were soldiers. Who was he? He was in what? We were soldiers. Hmm. Huh. Autofocus. Yeah, autofocus. Oh, that was Bob Crane. That was a weird movie. Yeah. Then again, Call back to our uh, Bob Great Crane. Escape episode. Yeah. Bob Crane was kind of a weird guy, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Um. So, uh, who's your guy in this movie? Who's my guy? <clears throat> Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Well, despite uh, him being one of the bad guys, I'm going to go at Pruitt Taylor Vince. Okay. Uh, the actor, not the character you play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, usually, the, he was your guy's the, the character, but I like the actor. Uh, he's one of my favorite actors. And he just does such a smarmy little job mm-hmm. as a self important sheriff. Um, uh, I like it. I like what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I was actually going to pick two guys. I was going to pick uh, Crispin Glover and Vince. Ah, the little duo. Yeah, because they're just a just constantly just putting each other down and uh, ripping on each other and at each other's throat in a fu- in a funny way. And they're just uh, it's a it's a good little comic thing. They the character is a little bit more than just comic relief as well. Right. They right. they do a little exposition and yeah. you know, plot movement yeah. uh, when they come in, uh, which is good. Yeah, they're not just there for show and tell. Oh, yeah, true. But uh, I have two guys in this movie. I like both of those. Um, uh, so that means it's time to talk about uh, uh, the villain in this movie. Uh, before we talk about who the villain in this movie is, uh, I'm going to go over the uh, villains list so far and uh, the current list. Uh, so, you know, every movie we uh, pick a villain and we rank them or in our top ten list. Sometimes they don't make the top ten, uh, but we rank, we rank it every every time. Uh, number 10 at the bottom, we have Biff from Back to the Future. Number 9, we have Snyder from The Sting. Uh, number 8 is Kristoff from The Truman Show. Uh, number 7 is Johnny Favorite from Angel Heart. Number 6 is Jack from The Shining. Number 5 is Nazi Germany from The Great Escape. Uh, All f- of Nazi Germany. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Hitler included. Uh, number 4 is Rusty Nail from Joyride. Number 3 is Buddy from Baby Driver. Number 2 is Hans Gruber. From Die Hard, and number one is the Alien from Alien, and so that's our list, the current list right now. So, who do we think is uh, the villain in this movie? Well, uh, this 
Storytelling here is a little bit different because of its uh, high soap opera content. Yeah. But as I mentioned before, Nurse Betty is the protagonist, mm -hmm. and everyone who supports her is good, mm -hmm. and everyone who doesn't support her is a bad person, mm -hmm. generally yeah. speaking. So for a villain, you definitely can take from the bad group mm -hmm. um, because the villain is the person that prevents the protagonist from trying to reach their, their goal. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to Morgan Freeman and Chris Rock's character. Mm -hmm. And between the two of them, uh, Wesley, Chris Rock's character, seems to be the more evil, the more willing to kill, the more intent yeah. to kill. Morgan Freeman's character is far more cold-blooded, I think. Right. And calculating in war, the type just walk up to you, kill you, and walk away without any remorse. Yeah. Whereas Chris Rock's character is far more emotional and just ready to rip it and yeah. get the job done and move along. Mm -hmm. But I think that makes him more evil. Um, mm -hmm. Although some may say that the coldness of Morgan Freeman does it. He, his character arc does seem like he wants to soften up. It's the end yeah. of his career. He wants to end on... Uh, it's hard to tell. Does he want to end on a good note so that he becomes a good person, or does he want to finish the job so that he becomes a yeah, complete, yeah. complete person for his job? Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of conflict, which doesn't really resolve itself mm -hmm. for him, in his favor, I should say, leaves me with Chris Rock's character, mm -hmm. uh, who uh, is much more willing to beat on people and kill people and just jump in there and get nasty shit done. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm picking Wesley. Wesley, Chris Rock's character. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. And uh, so where do you think he fits on the top 10 list? Uh, the top 10 list. Let's go closer yeah, to me here. You got it. You know, yeah. in descending order now. Oh. Well, okay. So we've got Jack and the Shining Johnny favorite. Because this is a comedy, yeah. the villains here are far over the top. He's going to wind up. Probably somewhere between Snyder and Jack. Uh, Christoph is more benign. Snyder's more benign. Johnny favorites definitely. Wow. So is he going to be? He's going to be somewhere around Johnny favorite, either above or below Johnny favorite. I think. Mm -hmm. So is he going to be between Johnny favorite and Jack, or between Christoph and Johnny favorite? Uh, I would put it between Christoph and Johnny favorite because okay. once a comedy. Um, although he does kill a lot of people, he's not ultimately as effective as he could have been. He definitely didn't listen to his dad. Yeah. Definitely didn't follow his instincts. Paid too much attention to the soaps. Mm -hmm. I'd put him between Kristoff and Johnny Favorite. Okay. Okay. So that means him, that makes him uh, number uh, seven on the list, and then, uh, or six on eight on the list. And uh, Biff from Back to the Future falls off the list. Um, your classic. Uh, you know, bully as best an asshole, but yeah. but he's not he's not going around killing people necessarily either. So. Yes. So Biff uh, falls off our list, and uh, Chris Rock. Uh, the more benign was, villains of the movies right. are solely dropping off the list. As yes. More evil. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, evil on the list right now, right. for sure. A lot of evil. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's definitely true. As as our list has progressed. Uh, it's definitely gotten a lot more like serious villains for yeah. sure. I mean, when you've got the Xenomorph and Hans Gruber and one, two, um, it's pretty, pretty yeah. entirely evil up there. Yeah. Um, so it's time to talk about the list. And uh, Paul uh, 
would this or where would this be on your list? Um, this is the first time I saw it. Uh, would it be my top 100? I don't know. I'd have to compare it to other movies. I really mm -hmm. couldn't put it on my list right now. It was mm -hmm. a fun to watch. I'd mm -hmm. probably have to watch it a few more times to get some of the things mm -hmm. I missed. Or I think I saw, but I wasn't quite sure. And I feel back. I mentioned the blue scene. I've seen the blue and mm -hmm. other things. Uh, yeah. You mentioned uh, <clears throat> uh, Sheila Kelly's character being in the tip-top diner at the, the ending scene when they shown the tip-top people. I didn't really notice her there, so I'd have to go back and look yeah. at stuff like that and other little things like that. Yeah. Uh, for example, I did one thing I did notice was when uh, Rosa and Betty came into her apartment for the first time and Betty commented on the fish mm -hmm. and Rosa said, oh, if only I could find a guy that noticed my fish before I noticed my boobs. Yeah. And then later on, right. Christine Glover's character right. does notice the fish. Yeah. Um, and therefore winds up with her. Yeah. And little things like that that follow through. I'd like yeah. to see more of that. I'm, I'm sure it's there because with the soap opera, it's always there. Yeah. And yeah. I'd like to see more of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and being the first time we'd seen it, I know it was mostly a, pretty much a surprise to you. you probably, I'm sure you realized, oh, this is why Jason likes it. This is pretty unique. Yes. Very yes. original, unique movie. Yes. Um, and I'm surprised it didn't do what better publicly when it came out. Yeah. Or Publicly on Rotten Tomatoes, but what if we said 45 from the public? Well, from the, from the public, yeah. yeah that's I don't think, you know, terrible. this is really a very clever movie from yeah. different levels. And yeah. I think that it would, would have done better with the public. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd like to see it again. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's less to it than I think. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah. I want to see all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, right now, I probably wouldn't put it on my list Yeah. without really a couple more look-throughs and comparative to other things that I'm sure would be on my list. You know? Mm -hmm. Not on the list right now. Okay. So where is on your where list? do you think it is on my list? All right. So your list. Where's where's my list of your list? Okay, let's see. Hmm. Okay, let me think about what you've talked about it. It's from 2000. You probably even see it in the theater, you saw it on HBO. It's probably, but you do like it. It is on the list. Um, it's more interesting and unique than other movies. And, you know, the more interesting, unique movies tend to be closer to the top of the list. You know, looking at just mm -hmm. the list of movies, I've got what we've done so far in order from like mm -hmm. one to a hundred based on where you put them on your list. Yeah. And I'm noticing that the earlier, lower number movies tend to be more unique and individualistic, whereas the yeah. later movies tend to be more traditional. Yeah, um, that's true. Ink, story structure, and other things. I like an, so, I like an original story. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to move this harder than I might have put it. I'm looking for any gaps in here. Uh, and I see a few. I'm going to go with uh, 25. It's higher than I thought you would guess on uh, for me on this. Uh, Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Yeah. What's done there? One oh. below the shining. Yes, I see. True uh, and show, shining. Nurse Betty. Yeah, and uh, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised you guessed that high. I mean, but it's. Uh, I'm trying to figure out uh, what you like there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. The original story thing uh, goes a lot for me. It goes goes along. Yeah, for me. just looking at the list in this perspective. Uh, you can't compare this to. 
hurting anything else. You know, it's I you, well, know. you can do say that a lot of baby driver is definitely unique. Right, right. I mean it's kind of a caper move at the same time because of the music and the way the music drives everything. Yeah. Both visually and yes. orally. Um it's very unique. Airplane mm-hmm. the same way. Wagged it off. Back yeah. to the future, although Back to the Future now might be considered right like, with perspective mm-hmm. as a traditional Hollywood blockbuster summer movie. At the time it came out, it was very individualistic and unique. Yeah. Um, so I would have put this a lot higher than, yeah. than you do, but you know, now we know. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good one. It, uh, got me the first time I saw it and, uh, I love it. And it's also one of those movies for me, uh, movies get points when they're, I think they're really good, but it's a movie that a lot of people haven't heard of and I want to show it to them and show them why it's so good. Um, so that's part of the effect of this movie being pretty high on the list. Um, and uh, so now it's time to talk about plugs. Paul, do you have any plugs? Um, <clears throat> I think the last couple of times I've tried to plug movies that I like that have actors in it. And I like to plug Empire Records. Okay. Uh, movie from uh, early, yeah, part of, I think? early part of Renee Zellweger's career. Um, fairly early. Had a lot of uh, interesting young actors and actresses mm-hmm. in it. Good soundtrack. Um, and uh, I think like Nurse Betty, it didn't get a lot of mm-hmm. public play or public affection when it came out. But later on, it, uh, it came yeah. a minor little cult hit because of oh, the yeah. music and the acting. It's definitely something gets talked about. Yeah. By so really I recommend if you haven't seen it, go see it. Yeah. Find it. Watch it. It's, it's a fun little movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was I was going to plug the uh, podcast uh, Comedy Bang Bang, which I may have plugged before on our podcast, but it's it's still you know it's one of the early first basically four podcasts I ever really listened to, and still love it. Still, maybe my third or fourth favorite podcast, and just a ridiculous set of characters uh, go in and out, and uh, it's been going on since uh, two thousand nine, I think. Yeah, and if you're sitting at home wondering what to do until you can uh, get started back in society, yeah, yeah, um, find a podcast, yeah. find our podcast, find Comedy Bang Bang, yeah, start listening, listen to the newer episodes. I say first, and if you really like it, uh, start binging the old ones. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Comedy Bang Bang has over 1,100 episodes, and uh, it's a tough binge right there. Yeah, well, on the TV, there's also the TV version. If you have Netflix, uh, it was on IFC for five seasons. Got over 100 episodes. I do remember those that are, show you know, a standard 30 minute version. Um, they have band leaders, even though there's no band. Uh, the final band leader is Weird Al, but there's no band, but they're called the band leader. Um, it's just him, you know. Uh, it, if you like absurd troll humor, <clears throat> then Comedy Bang Bang is, is that, the best. That is the way best I remember it. Yeah. A little, little dry, a little satirical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now it's time to talk about. Uh, what we're doing next week uh, on the podcast. So next week, uh, make sure to order up on cottons and marbles. Uh, put on your best communion dress and uh, definitely don't lose your street hockey ball in the sewer. Uh, next week, we're talking about Mystic River. Mystic River. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 2003, Clint Eastwood directed Sean Penn, uh, Tim Robbins, Kevin Bacon, Lawrence Fishburne, Lauren Linney, Marsha Gay Harden. A lot of good people. Yeah, stellar cast. Um, and it's a great drama. A lot of people have seen it, but if you haven't, it's definitely worth checking out before our next episode. Yes. 
Uh, so we'll see you next time on 100 Movies I Love. 100 Movies You Love.